Let's take our, take our Bibles and go to the Gospel according to Mark, all right? Gospel according to Mark. We'll be in chapter 6 again this morning. And we're looking through, we're looking through the miracles of Christ on Sunday mornings. And I've been looking at these for some time now. We began on Wednesday, but we kind of moved it over to Sunday mornings. But I think it's very highly important that we look at these together, look at these miracles of Christ. Because I don't know if you know it or not, but the Word of God is under attack. And it really has been under attack ever since the Garden of Eden, when the devil himself, Satan himself, tried to uh, deny the Word of God, get, the, get Adam and Eve to doubt the Word of God. Well, well listen, his, his tactics don't change. He wants people to get away from the truth and attack the truth, attack the Word of God. And one of those attacks is this. People are trying to deny the miracles of Jesus Christ. They're trying to do that today. But understand, if they get you to deny the miracles of Christ, you know what they're getting you to deny? They're getting you to deny the deity of Christ. Because be reminded yet again, the purpose behind the miracles of Jesus Christ. They're not there just to show the wonderful power of Christ, though they do, all right? They do. It's a mighty thing to see Jesus feeding 5,000 men, let alone women and children, is it not? It's a mighty thing to see Jesus heal folks of leprosy, of their blindness, of, uh, of their deafness, all right? To, to, to see all of that, it's amazing to see that in Scripture. It's an amazing thing to see. But it's not there just to see His power, but it's also there are not just there to just help people, though he did a lot of that. It's not just there to gain a following, though people follow Jesus because it's miracles. But understand, the main purpose behind the miracles of Christ is this, to point to who he is, to point that to, to he is, that he is God come in the flesh, that he is Emmanuel, God with us. It points to his deity. It points that he is the Son of God. It points that he is the Christ, the Messiah. All these miracles point to that marvelous and wonderful fact. It truly does. Here's what John said in John chapter 20 and verse 30 through 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. These signs, these miracles are here recorded for us for this reason, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So this is why they're here. This is why we have the miracles of Christ to prove truly of who he is. Is. So as we study these miracles, again, I want to remind you and encourage you to allow these miracles to bring you to Jesus, all right? Allow them to bring you to Christ this morning as we study them together, all right? So this morning we'll be in Mark chapter number 6, all right? Mark chapter number 6 this morning, and we're going to look at verses 45 through 53 in just, in just a moment. Now, <clears throat> We looked at this last time, at least these verses last time, and uh, we, we brought out an application from, from this portion of Scripture, but there's another one I would like for us to consider. You do know that there's one interpretation of Scripture, but there's many applications, all right? There's another emphasis that I see from this portion that I'd like to bring out this morning. I'm not, I'm not going to preach the same message. It's a different message, I promise, all right? But, uh, but it's one I would like to bring out and to emphasize from this text and from this miracle of, of, of the Lord walking upon the water, all right? So let's look at it. And before we read our text, I want to ask you this question. First question is this. What is that ringing? <laughs> I'm sure everybody hears it, right? I know we're trying to fix our sound system and that kind of thing, but it could be um, 
You might have a hearing aid that's together. Maybe it might, I don't know if somebody, just check your hearing aids before or while I read the text, all right? That'd be great. But we're working on that kind of thing, so just bear with us, all right? And uh, that's good. But the second question is this. Question number two. What do you do, what do you do when the unexpected happens? What do you do when the all of a sudden moments of life take place? What do you do? What do you do when a sudden happens? Look at our text this morning, all right? Let's look at it together. Mark chapter number 6, and look at verse number 45. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them, that's Jesus, saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. They all saw him, and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and saith to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. For they consider not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Verse 53. And when they had passed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and drew to, to the shore. Let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege we have to read the Word of God. I pray, Lord, you will do a great work in our hearts and our lives this morning from this text. And Lord, there may be some folks, individuals, who are going through an unexpected moment of life. Would you bring them great comfort and great encouragement today? And help us to respond the right way through these times of life as we all face them, even have faced them, and will face them, no doubt, in the days and years that lie ahead. We thank and we trust in you in all those times of life. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, let me ask you, what do you do when the unexpected happens because understand something this this storm here we just read about these men going through the storm this storm these fellows were facing they were not expecting to face it because remember where they came from keep the overall context in mind it's very important to do so remember where they came from they came from the feeding of the five thousand this was an exciting event for these guys they were pumped up about this miracle that jesus did feeding the five thousand men let alone women and children so there could have been anywhere from 15 20 25 30 thousand people that jesus fed with just a little bread and a few small fish this has been amazing to be a, a part of they 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 were pumped up about it that you can see each gospel writer put this miracle in their record it's the only miracle we have recorded in all four gospel uh, gospel records and besides, even in our text, the Bible says that Jesus had to constrain his disciples to leave the seaside that day. Constrain brings the idea of to compel or to drive or to make a, a necessary that they leave, meaning that tells me they didn't want to. They didn't want to miss the next miracle that Jesus was going to do with all these people. Maybe he's going to feed them again. They didn't want to miss that. So they were excited about the feeding of the 5,000, pumped up about it, wanted to be part of the next great miracle that Jesus was about to do, and they were not expecting to go through this horrific storm across the sea that day. They'd been through some before. Even in Mark chapter 4, they went through one before. But they weren't expecting this type of storm. This was very unexpected, but what do you do when you face those times of life that seem so unexpected. 
There's three responses I like to bring out from this text. How we can respond when the unexpected times of life come, all right? The first one is this. We can respond this way when the unexpected happens, number one. We can respond in fear. Look at verse 49 again. The Bible says, And when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out, for they all saw him and were, what's the next word? And were troubled. They were troubled. Now keep in mind, again, because of the feeding of the 5,000, yet because of this storm in their life, their unwavering faith gave way to the fear of the unknown. Listen, it's amazing these two events, the feeding of the 5,000 in this storm was only somewhere around the area of only nine hours apart, if that. But just nine hours prior to this storm, understand, they were on cloud nine. They had great faith in the Lord that Jesus can do anything, that God can do anything. Their faith was on a, a, a pinnacle mountaintop at that moment. But when they faced the unexpected, they began to respond and cry out in Fear. Fear. Listen, this is something we have a temptation to give in to and be fearful. Especially when times of the unexpected happen in our life. We have this temptation to fear. You see, God in the past has been faithful to meet all of our needs, yet a bigger need arises. And we ask ourselves, does God even know? Does he even know the situation that I'm in? Does he even know what I'm going through? Does he even know this trouble? Does he even know this heartache? Does God even know? Listen, those accusing questions can come from a place of fear, especially when we're going through a time that we did not expect to happen in our life. We can even question this very question, does God even care? Sometimes we're tempted to respond that way, but that response comes from fear. In those unexpected moments, we wonder, does God even care? Listen, the disciples had that question one day in Mark chapter 4 and verse 38, another storm they were in. They said this, Mark chapter 4 verse 38, and he was in a hinder part of the ship, Jesus that is, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? See, even the disciples, the mighty disciples we love and have come to know to love, they even ask that question, Jesus, do you even care what I'm going through? Do you even care what I'm about to face? Do you even care we're about to die? They ask that accusing question. But for us today, I would love to answer that question for you. Oh, yes, he cares. And if you ever begin to doubt that, can I encourage you to do something? Let your mind go back to the cross of Calvary. Go back to Golgotha. Take your eyes and go back to the Gospels and read of what Jesus has done for you and done for me. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God commendeth, that, that word means showed, commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, He showed His love, proved His love for you and for me when He gave His life on the cross of Calvary. So please, if you ever begin to wonder, does He even care? Does he even care what I'm doing or going through? Does he even care? Yes, he does. And the cross proves that love and care for you and for me. But understand, we are tempted to respond that way, those questions that way, especially when we're in a, in a spirit of, of fear. And that fear can happen, can come when unexpected happens in our lives. I'm reminded 
How the Hebrews responded with fear at the Red Sea. Even after all the miracles they had witnessed in Egypt, all the ten plagues they had witnessed in Egypt, God doing great and mighty things in their life, they witnessed it, saw it all. They saw the the water turn to blood. They saw the frogs infest everything, even into the kitchen in their bedrooms. How would you women like to be baking a cake and out pops a frog, all right? Frog legs for dinner for weeks, no doubt. But the frogs, the lice, the boils, all the the plagues, all of it, they saw God do great and mighty things in their lives yet when it came to an unexpected moment another unexpected moment in their life at the Red Sea here's what they said the Bible says in Exodus chapter 14 and verse number 10 and when Pharaoh drew nigh the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid they were terrified and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord and they said unto Moses because there were no graves in Egypt Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? They're saying, Look, we told you, Moses, just let us alone, man. They may be beating us, we may be slaves here, but at least we have a place to live. Didn't we say, Leave us alone? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. He's saying, stop it. Stop being so fearful. Stop responding at this unexpected moment with fear. Stop it. Fear ye not. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. So just like these Hebrews in times of uncertainty, in times of the sudden, we are tempted to be fearful just like they responded in fear. We have that temptation. Now be reminded, even in those moments, being scared, uh, having some fear, it's normal, it's okay. It's okay. Even Joshua, remember, we studied through the book of Joshua, the first couple chapters of Joshua, as he's about to take the lead of of the Hebrews, some two, three million Hebrews that love to complain, love to bicker, didn't like to submit to authority. You know, those kind of people, right? They want to submit to the authority of God. Uh, those type of individuals. He was about to take the lead because Moses, well, he's passed off the scene, but he's going to be next leader. But four different times, here's what the Lord told Joshua. Joshua, be strong and have good courage. He knew he was scared. And by the way, I would have been petrified as well, all right? I don't want to lead these people. Uh-uh, not me. Pick somebody else. Pick Aaron. You know, take somebody like him. Pick somebody else. Not me. I'd have been fearful too. But four times the Lord told him, hey, be strong and of good courage. So sometimes in the midst of fear, we just need to be strong and of good courage. Fear is not the absence, all right, the absence of, uh, of, uh, of fear, all right. Or being scared is not the absence of fear. But listen, in the midst of that, we must be strong and very, very courageous. Don't respond in fear. In this, in this moment, they were, had that temptation to respond in fear in the midst of this uncertainty, in the midst of the uh, unexpected time, this unexpected storm came out of nowhere. They had the temptation to respond in fear, but don't. Because that temptation of fear, which stops you in your tracks, which stops you from moving forward with God, that don't come from the Lord. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. Listen, trust the Lord through those unexpected times of life. 
So what's the response that we're tempted to respond with when the unexpected happens? We can respond in fear. And they'll stop you in your tracks. And by the way, you'll not move forward, you'll stop. And you'll go backwards, really. We have the temptation to respond in fear. Number two. What's another, what's another temptation to respond this way? Look at verse 52. Look at verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves for their... What's the next word? All right, let's say it again. Look at it with me. Verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves for their heart was hardened. We have the temptation to respond with a hard heart. With a hard heart. Could this really be said? about these guys right here responding in this moment with a hard heart, with a firm heart. Could it really be said they had a hard heart? How does this even happen? Especially with these guys. I mean, good night. Where did they just come from? Nine hours prior, they came from the feeding of the 5,000. And even before that, all the many miracles that they had seen, at least, at least, I think we're on number, this is 15 or 16, so they've seen at least, let's just be conservative and say, at least 10 prior miracles before this one. They've probably seen much more than that because if, if all the, uh, if we, if all the uh, miracles recorded what Jesus did, the Bible says all the books could not contain the whole, right? That's what John tells us. So they've seen dozens and even dozens, no doubt, of miracles of Jesus. Seeing, seeing the lame walk, seeing the blind see, seeing people raised from the dead. <laughs> you ever seen that? Yeah, me neither, right? But these guys did. But in this moment of the unexpected storm, their heart became hardened. How do we get to that Point. How does that even happen in our lives that we respond this way? How does this happen? Well, I'm going to tell you how it happens. The Bible says in verse 52, For they considered not. Meaning this, they forgot. They forgot. They forgot the miracle of the lows. Being a forgetful person, forgetting what God has done for you in the past will make your heart hard in the present circumstance of life they considered not they forgot now many of you know i am not on purpose a tendency sometimes to forget anybody else like me you have a tendency to forget okay yeah well I've, i blame mine on concussions my wife is tired of that excuse it doesn't work anymore with her but anyway well, we have a tendency to forget sometimes but don't forget what god has done for you in the past Especially in difficult times of life, God's come through. Write them down. I encourage, listen, I encourage people to write down those type of things in their Bibles. Write down the day when you got saved. Write down the time that you gave your life to God. Write down this time this God uh, came through in a big way in your life. Write down the details because sometimes you want to go back and reread it over again to have your faith encouraged once more. Write them down. Don't forget what God has done for you. It's easy, though. It really is easy sometimes to forget what God has done in the past difficulties when we face, face a new difficulty in, in the present. But that's the prime time to remember those past victories. Again, going back uh, to Joshua, this is what the Lord wanted Joshua to do, to set up a memorial. Remember, a memorial at the crossing of the Jordan, on, in the middle of the Jordan and as they crossed over into Canaan's land, to set up a memorial of stones. Why? He didn't want them to forget what God had done. We need to remember, don't forget what God has done. And here's why. The Bible says this. 
For I am the Lord, and I change not. Malachi 3, in verse number 6. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, He doesn't change. If He helped you out in the past, He came through in the past, He'll come through again in the present and in the future. Don't forget what God has done for you. Write them down. God's taught me a lot of things over the years, and I try to write them down. My Bible in the front of the leaf of them is, is full, of those, full of those times. And I have to go back periodically and reread those from time to time to gain that encouragement. But listen, I'm reminded again of the Hebrews, how they forgot God in the wilderness. This is a response they had because they're hard uh, their heart became hardened. Look at verse number, uh, I'm sorry, look at, uh, or write down rather, Hebrews in the margin of your Bible. Write down Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 8. The Bible says this, Harden not your hearts as in a provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. So the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 3 that they saw the mighty works of God for 40 years, referring again to the wilderness wanderings. But every time they came to a new bump in the road in those wilderness wanderings, they again would cry out for fear and have a hard heart. Why? Because they forgot. They forgot what God had done in the previous victories of life. They had forgotten. They had forgotten about the Lord rescuing them from the cruel hand of Pharaohs as they were slaves in Egypt. Not sure how you forget that one, but they did. They had forgotten about the crossing of the Red Sea on dry ground and watching their enemy drown, never to face them ever again. I don't know how you forget that one, but they did. They forgot. They forgot about manna coming down from heaven to fill their bellies when they were hungry. The Bible says that manna was angels' food. And in the Hebrew, it's crispy cremo. A minnow, all right? That's wonderful there. I'm sorry, that was terrible. But anyway, but they had manna. They had angels' food come down, but they forgot. As they became to a new bump in the road, God would send them quail, but they forgot about that. When they were thirsty, God gave them water from a rock, not once but twice. Yet when they would find something else to complain about, they would forget about those times. They forgot about their shoes never wearing out after 40 years of nomadic living. They had forgotten about these things. And here's another question that they asked. As they're going through new bumps in the road, the all of a sudden moments of life in the wilderness, here's one that they said. Exodus chapter 17 and verse number 7. Here's what they said. Is the Lord among us or not? Now, in my flesh, if I was Moses in that moment, I'd want to line them all up and lovingly in Christian love smack every one of them. You know? Are you kidding me? Look at what God has done. You're saying, is God among us or not? What are you talking about? But that response comes from a hard heart when you forget God. And these men at this moment, these men at this moment, listen, they did this. They considered not the miracle of the loaves. You know, it really is easy for us to look at these disciples. It's easy for us to look at the Hebrews in the wilderness and point our finger at them, accusing finger at them, and say, man, that's really silly well, how you guys are responding. That's really dumb. Uh, I, can't, I can't believe you're doing that and, and saying that and accusing the Lord this and that and the other. But listen, it happens to us too. It can happen to us too. We can respond that way as, as well. We have the temptation to at least respond 
to respond that way. When we forget God. Don't forget. Don't forget what God has done. He's been faithful before. He's going to be faithful again. That's all he can be is faithful. He's been good in the past. He'll be good in the present and in the future. Why? Because that's all he can be is good. He's good. Don't forget God. All right. So we can respond this way in fear. Or we can respond this way in a hard heart. But can I encourage you this morning to respond rather this way? Respond in faith. All right. Look at verse 45. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. And straightway he, that's Jesus, constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. So in this, in this verse, Jesus is telling his disciples, get into the boat, go to the other side. And would you say, as Jesus told them to do this, would you say this is God's will for their life at this moment, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. This is what God wanted them to do. Go to the other side. Why? There's more work to be done on the other side. Okay, now look at verse 53. I'm going to stop and I want you to say the next word, all right? Look, look at verse 53. And when? And when they had passed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. Listen, they passed over just as the Lord told them they would do. God said they were going to go over there, and all they had needed to do was trust Him. Yes, this storm was unexpected. It was terrifying. It was dark. It had been like hurricane, hurricane force winds. It had been horrible to be in. It had been scary. It, it, it may even seem they're about to die. But listen, even in that moment, how they needed to respond was in faith, believe in the Lord. God said we need to go to the other side. He's not just going to leave us out here to die. He's going to get us there. He'll get us there. They should have just simply trusted Him, not respond in fear, not respond with a, a firm, hard heart, but respond in faith. And this kind of responding in faith, I'm reminded, a good Bible character, that comes to my mind at least, is the Bible character of Joseph. Because of everything he went through, everything he faced, he responded by faith. It's really, really amazing to me because I don't know. I, I, I would hope I would, but uh, I probably would struggle very hard to respond that way. But being treated the way he was treated by his own family, by his brothers betraying him, he responded with by faith. Being lied about by Potiphar's wife, he responded by faith. Having false imprisonment for years, he responded to all of that by faith. And all those things that happened in his life from being betrayed by his brethren and all the way through the imprisonment years of his life, all that took place from the ages of 17 to 30. So for 13 years, the hardship and the heartbreak of all, of all he went through, he responded in faith. And I can say that because what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 20. Let me read it to you. Joseph speaking to his brothers, he said, God meant it unto good. He said, everything you did, you meant unto evil, but God meant it unto good to save much people alive. His response was one of faith, trusting God through all that, those moments of life. He was going to trust in the Lord. His faith was in God. Let me ask you this morning, 
when a sudden happens, will you respond like Joseph? By faith. You respond like Paul? By faith. When even, when even his uh, uh, Philippian brethren were, were concerned about him, as he was no doubt in prison, he was writing the book of Philippians from prison, uh, he was concerned about him, he said this, look, all the things that have happened unto me have fallen out rather for this reason, for the furtherance of the gospel. That's why. All the things, all those perils you can read about in 1 Corinthians that he went through, perils of his countrymen, of the, of, the, of the waters, all that. You can read that, right? All those things that happened unto him has happened for this purpose, the furtherance of the gospel. God was leading him the whole way. He was trusting God the whole way. Way. He responded in faith. Joseph responded by faith. Listen, we need to do the same as well. It may be scary. It may be concerning. It may be all of a sudden. But you can trust God. You can have faith in God. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. Respond. Respond in faith. So, what are you facing today? And how will you respond to that unexpected time of life. Now, you may not need this message this morning, but you might need it in 10 years. You might need it in 5 years, 20 years, 100 years, I don't know. But maybe one day you'll need it. And I hope God brings back to our memory, because I, I need it too, brings back to our memory to simply trust the Lord. Not respond in fear, not respond with a hard heart, that calls us to do foolish and silly things, but rather respond in faith, trusting God the whole, the whole way. I'm reminded of one more verse, and it's this one. In Psalm 11, verse number 3, the Bible says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Can I, can I put that in a um, hillbilly translation for you? My apple cart done turned over. What am I going to do now? <laughs> well, here's what the psalmist says. The foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Here it is. In the Lord put I my trust. Trust the Lord. Whatever it is you may be going through and facing in life at this moment, trust in 